The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. You little turds are going to have to learn you can't run from the ice cream man! Welcome to Subversive Cinema. These films risk causing harm! They should be burned! I'd like to do any of these two guys at the same time. What? Hell yeah! I don't owe you any book. No more books! Welcome back to the show, and I am incredibly excited for this episode because it kicks off what will be a season-long, in-depth investigation of one of the most solid filmmaking voices in the independent industry right now. And to do that, I have my good friend Richard here. I would say he's a doctor of Breenism. He actually is from the Village Breen Preservation Society, and we're here to talk about Neil Breen. This is the first film we're going to talk about. We're going to start with I Am Here Now. And Richard, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So Richard, can you explain, since you are our resident Breen expert, why it is that we are going a little out of order with Breen's work here? And I'm just going to go ahead and underscore you with some of this amazing stock music. Okay. Uh, well, the uh, the reason I like to start with uh, I Am Here Now is just because uh, it's probably Neil's most insane movie. And uh, I think it's also his most fun movie. Uh, this is kind of the peak of, for me, it, this movie and Faithful Findings are his uh, magnum opuses. And I want to start viewers off with something fun. Uh, We'll talk about Double Down in a future episode, but uh, I really feel like Neil comes into his own with this film. He took uh, roughly five years to get this one made uh, after Double Down, and uh, you can really see the results on the screen. That's fantastic. Uh, now, I can't quite remember. I have this, this feeling that I believe it was actually you who introduced me to the world of Neil Breen. Oh, I thought it was the other way around, Art. It, maybe it was. It was. It feels like it's so long ago. I remember. I think the first one I saw was Fateful Findings uh, at the New Art in the in the Los Angeles. West you know Los what? Angeles. You're right. Oh, I remember what this was now. I think I had gone to the New Art to see some other random ass movie, and they showed a trailer of Fateful Findings. And I think I came back and I talked to you and I said, "Dude." There's this batshit movie I saw a trailer for we need to go see. And I think that might have been where we saw it. Yeah, it was like a midnight screening, and I had no idea what I was in store for. And uh, it was easily the most fun movie-going experience I had that year. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So we're go we'll get to that delightful piece of cinema down the road. But for here, let's go ahead and uh, let's really get into <laughs> I Am Here Now. Uh, it's, you know, folks out there, that is not a typo on your episode title. There actually are four dots. Now, let me ask you, Richard, in your opinion, do you think that was a calculated move? Uh, is there some sort of subtext or was he just typing too quickly when he was doing the credits? Well, if you know anything about Neil Breen, there is absolutely no subtext in anything that he does. <laughs> uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, like many of the elements of his films, uh, they are completely inexplicable. 
Uh, I mean, if you talk about, you think about the guy himself, he's, he's an eccentric. And uh, what I think is so appealing about these films is that you cannot predict the choices he will make. You can't understand why he made these choices and it keeps the movies fresh every time you've seen them. Uh, I think I've seen this movie seven or eight times now, and I still forget what happens because there's no logic to it. <laughs> and I have to say, I felt the exact same way when I rewatched it for this. So let me go ahead and break this down really quick for everybody. So uh, I got way ahead of myself. So here I am, your host, Art. You are here with Subversive Cinema. I'm here to be your wrangler of the weird, purveyor of the peculiar, and Sherpa to the strange. And this movie is, Neil Breen is all of that. And this is his second film, I Am Here Now. And it tell, it, it it's a story about Space Jesus uh, corruption, cyborg space Jesus. Uh, that's right, cyborg space Jesus. Corruption, environmentalism, and sisters who go into prostitution way too quickly. So this movie, it's it's okay. We open with the Nevada desert. Something comes from the sky, lands in the desert. You find out it's cyborg space Jesus, played by none other than Neil Breen. He is here to check on mankind, and he is not happy with what we've done with ourselves and the planet. He is here to lay down the law because he gave us everything and we just took advantage of it. He runs into a couple drug addicts in the middle of the desert who shoot heroin in the most precarious way I've ever seen. And then he just takes their clothing, runs off in this odyssey as he is judging humanity, yet he's only doing it from within, I don't know, a one mile radius within Vegas. And... He has such adventures as curing a man of cancer, having a relationship with one sister who turns out to be a stripper, but then she's not, but then her other... It, 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 that makes no goddamn sense. And somehow at the end of this, he kills all the corruption and decides that mankind has one more chance. So there's that. Yeah, given this, it's crazy. It's fucking nuts. But one thing that it does have in spades where it lacks in story is memorable characters. So Richard, what character or characters stood out to you in this film and why? Well, I mean, it all starts with uh, the man himself, uh, Neil Breen. The, uh, the uh, entity or what? what is, how is he? I believe he's called the, the being. being, I think. Um, he is basically a cyborg space alien Jesus who has come back to earth to crucify the corrupt. Because as we all know, Jesus is very fond of crucifying people. Yes, I believe uh, that was very much New Testament business, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he is just an odd duck. Uh, like you said, it's it's really hard to explain. He, he is The Earth is one of many experiments he's running throughout the solar system. Uh, apparently, there are life on other planets, and it's doing very well. But we humans have messed up badly, and he's come to... Uh, take away the corruption, the corrupt politicians and the lobbyists and the corporate uh, greed. And he wants to reset his experiment. Um, and, and then he just does it in the weirdest way possible. He drives around Vegas. He waves his hands around. He, for some reason, sleeps with uh, some of the girls and then uh, he leaves. I believe that would be called director's prerogative. But you know what? We can't do Space Jesus justice. Let's hear it from himself. I'm disappointed in your species. The human species. 
And then he likes to linger on random camera images for a long amount of time between these monologue lines. So we're just going to go ahead and zip forward a bit here to the next chunk. Uh, this is, <laughs> I have a suspicion and I want to run it by you, but let's hear the rest of this here. Other planets that I've created in the solar system are doing very well. They respect their species and the natural environment. My God, that guy is a fucking poet. And there's just no getting around this. So I noticed a couple things in this. First, I could not help, but I had to take a timer to the stock footage. And I, if you exclude the 20-some seconds of the FBI warning he stuck in the beginning of this thing, and you take yes. out the credits, almost 8% of the movie's runtime is stock footage. That sounds right. Uh, and I think it's only, and it's only like five or six clips. It's the same clips over and over again. And the other thing that struck me as I was watching this is I think I figured out Neil's credo. Shoot it once, show it twice, or three, or four, or five times. I you, you Tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe that this movie must have been a short film or that's all they had the footage for, was for like 40 minutes. And they just, or maybe not even that, maybe just like 35 and they just kept going back to clips over and over and over again to make it a feature film. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's beyond me. Like, I wonder if he literally went out and said, we're going to shoot a feature film. When he got into the editing room, he realized it was 37 minutes long and thought, oh, I'm in trouble. And then he just Oh, started... absolutely. And then there, he'll have montages and then he'll just have random shots from other scenes kind of show up in the middle of these montages and it makes no sense whatsoever it's very terrence uh, malick isn't it <laughs> i that's being kind i think uh i mean this movie was edited by neil and uh his cameraman uh who i believe they're like a, just a two-man team for most of this production it's they're out in the desert by themselves shooting this thing i don't know if i think they they must have a script when they go out there but it really doesn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, wow. Yeah. I wonder if they use a, any sort of sound operator on this or if there is a sound like, operator camera or the, what? the, uh, the guy who plays the uh, young man in the wheelchair who gets turned into the young man in the wheelchair. He is the audio uh, and boom operator as well. Ah, uh, I see. So, okay, everybody's wearing many hats. Well, I uh, I have a character. Uh, there's there's a couple that I have. The first is a duo, and it would be these two emissaries of corruption, the two old white men who speak in a car. Uh, the lobbyists. One of the most interestingly shot sequences <laughs> in terms of, I feel like he's just fucking all over the line and just doesn't care. But these two guys, I think they sum up what's wrong with the world today. Now that we've paid off our fellow elected representatives in the legislature, that environmental solar panel development bill will fail next week. Not to mention the cash it'll put in our pockets. The country is done without solar and wind power until now. They can wait a few more years. It's more profitable to be without those sustainable energy systems at this time. Listen to how that dialogue just rolls right off the tongue on that one take. Oh man, it's uh, it's like the words of a poet. Uh, it is, yeah, it's t it's a classic Neil Breen uh, monologue of 
wooden stilted dialogue about a topic that you don't really think he truly understands <laughs> and certainly the actor does not either um that's a great observation and this happens over and over and over throughout this movie and uh neil's other films as well w- would you say that this is sort of his his te- contextual milieu <laughs> yeah you could call it that i mean i think he just he does not he's not interested in subtext he wants everything out in the open plain text and uh there are plenty of scenes throughout this movie that are exactly like this and i love all of them they're just so delightfully weird so this actually this scene directly follows that and i want to play this clip for two reasons for one it actually highlights one of my other favorite characters who is this uh boss of one of the the twin uh female leads when she's coming out to deliver the heartbreaking news that it's it's all over their jobs are done and the other reason is because it actually exhibits the only quote-unquote good acting in this entire movie and by that i mean he clearly had no script for the dialogue before her coming up to talk to these two women that are standing outside so he must have said hey you know what just talk to each other like girls whatever talk about their clothes or whatever he just said talk about some asinine shit so these two ladies are actually really talking to each other and you can tell you can hear it that they are actively engaging and then when you hear them go into acting mode it is like night and day so you'll hear them actually talking and then you'll be introduced to my other favorite character is the cutest where did you get that top you have the cutest shirt thank you my sister got it for me for my birthday actually oh my gosh i wonder where yeah. you give the cutest clothes thank you it helps to go through her closet though too she has great taste oh my, like my twin she pretty much has way better yet i'm so sorry but due to the poor economy we're gonna have to lay you off along with some other staff members we all had the best of intentions of improving the nation's sustainable energy systems and environment but the corruption and greed in big business and government just won't let it happen. We're all very disappointed. Yeah, it's always the government and lawyers that prevent progress. <laughs> I mean, uh, why would he, he set himself up with that one. Like, why would you have such natural, easygoing conversation followed by this stilted woman? I, I know, it's the one true moment in the movie, and then it just goes right back to uh, Neil's script. Yes. And it is such a hard transition. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you see her walking up and looming, and you just know the line she's going to deliver. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. good. Nothing but good is coming. <laughs> okay, any other characters that you would like to mention, Rick, before we move on? Um... I think, you know, the wheelchair guy is great. Oh, uh, yes. I don't really know why he's in the movie, but he's there. Uh, the two sisters are interesting, too, because they're basically the same character. And halfway through the movie, they switch. So the, for yes, the first so half correct. of the movie, the first sister is the one who gets laid off from the environmental company or the solar energy company. And then she has to go into hooking. And then you find out in the later half of the movie that the other sister had the exact same thing happen to her. Isn't that weird? And it's and it really threw me again because I've seen this before too, multiple times. And I was still like, wait, hold on. Wait, why does she suddenly have a normal job? I just watched her as a hooker. Oh, this is a flashback. Okay. 
yeah it's not explained at all that that's a flashback uh it's just kind of you just have to understand or guess that that's what neil was going for but the it, the setup is totally wrong and uh yeah it's just, it just becomes this confusing mess and then the one sister is kind of written out of the movie halfway through like like she just couldn't shoot it anymore so then the other <laughs> sister took on her attributes and that's the one that he ends up uh having the one night stand with the most awkward exit from a one night stand ever. Oh, and then wonderful. What it's a, just a bizarre scene. And it's shown like five times throughout the movie, him slowly lurching away from the bed. (laughs) Yeah. The, the interaction of how those two got together is never explained. It just happens. It's, it's very strange. And actually, here are the two sisters, because this is also the best turn of advice one could ever ask, for, <laughs> ask from one sibling. They're not going to hire any of us back at this point. And I have this baby. I, how am I going to support her if I'm all alone? You'll find something. You're my twin sister. You're pretty and smart. You're hot. We're hot. You know, there's just no way, though, that I'm going to find anything half as interesting, especially in this economy. Become a stripper, an escort. You'd be great at that. You'd just have to give up your. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this is this is wonderful stuff. Oh, and by the way, I want to note that the baby she's pushing is clearly a doll, like a, a yes. cabbage patch doll. I'm I'm sure it is one of the. Uh... Uh, babies that was also out in the desert there's a scene in the movie where there's just random baby heads uh in the desert and in uh neil breen's space jesus walks past them for some reason uh i don't really want to read into the metaphor that behind that i don't know what it is but dr I rick still can't figure it out i think you i think you do know and i think you're just you just don't want to let the audience know yet if you say so hard <laughs> this is what I say to that. I get her first. No! <laughs> no! I do love and, how he, he had one screaming man sound effect and he used right. it repeatedly. And then in the very next scene, that man's clearly whose head is like whole wrist obliterated by a gunshot is totally yeah. fine. Oh yeah. It's, every, <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, sorry, this is one of those movies where I'm I'm so happy to be doing it because there's so many clips to play that uh, that you could never. Uh, it's it's insane. I I love Wheelchair Man. His his story is truly heartfelt. I don't feel so good. Cancer chemo is kicking my ass. I always wanted to see this before I died. I only have. A month to live. <laughs> and Richard, can you tell the audience what it is that he's always wanted to see before he fucking dies? He's always wanted to see the 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 neon sign that says "Welcome to Las Vegas," even though he's been sleeping literally across the street from it for apparently days or weeks. We have no idea. It's just right there, and it's... he's uh, he he needs Neil to to wheel him up there because because uh, <laughs> you know. He, he tries to go up there on his own and he, a tourist somehow walks into his wheelchair and then knocks him out of it. So uh, space Jesus comes and makes his eyes bleed as a, as a punishment. It's, it's such a bizarre scene. 
Oh, all of the Space Jesus stuff is wonderful. Oh man. Okay, so we there, look. There's there's oodles of characters. You you will not be bankrupt of wonderful characters. So let's talk about the story, Richard. Does it make any sense? Uh, I mean, it does. It's a. I mean, it's a perfect circle. It starts with three minutes of stock footage. It uh, then switches over to some bad special effects. Um. And then you were revealed into the to the being to the space Jesus who has computer chips glued to him for one shot, and then they're never seen again until he repeats the shot at the end of the film. Uh, and then you know, space Jesus goes around waving his hand and uh, cleaning up his quote unquote experiment of humanity. Uh, and then he sleeps with one of the sisters, and then he leaves. And that's the that's the plot of the movie. Sounds about right to me. Um, a plus, I guess. I mean, honestly, there the plot is not why you're coming to watch this movie. It's which is funny because what I lo- what I love about Neil Breen is that most of his ideas are these big high concept ideas that he has no budget to make these movies with, but he still makes them anyways. <laughs> yeah. So all the details are wrong, and it's we get to laugh at it and and have fun. <laughs> But like the ideas themselves are big. And I think that's what really uh, draws me to Neil. Um, he's got this kind of funny neoliberal politics, but he's like, le- he's like kind of like center left. He likes in- environmentalism and he likes kind of uh, people's ability for free speech. But then he is also very fatalistic and he doesn't believe that anyone except a, a being of superpowers or, or some sort of deity can fix these problems of our society. So uh, he, he requires, he becomes this messianic character who comes and can just wave away the corruption with the, with his hand. And uh, it's, it's totally insane that you would just kind of give up uh, trying to do anything in the, in society uh, because you're just pa- so powerless to do it. But Neil's solution was to make movies about it where he plays Jesus and can fix it all. Sounds about right to me. That's what I would say. Um, I was just revisiting some of the uh, the movie here, and I, I just love how the climax and this resolution of him clearing the clearing the corruption happens with still 20 minutes left yes. in, an, in a... <laughs> in a 86 minute movie um it's, there, it's i mean wonderful. there is no there's no act structure in this there's basically uh it's just a random assortment of scenes kind of mashed together and ex- lengthened and extended to get to a feature length runtime. but it's um yeah the structure of it there's there's no three acts there's no it's just it is what it is and it's it's you just have to go for the ride and yeah the last 20 minutes are him leaving and cleaning up, uh, basically just finishing off the circle that he's he's made as he's been here. So it's actually kind of a nice, neat, fully formed bubble of what the fuck. Oh, absolutely. With a lot of stock footage. Lots of stock footage. So speaking of what the fuck, that's usually the funnest part of this. One of the, the most evocative images in the whole piece is towards the end and it's the sequence where jesus neil is in his torn t-shirt which i love how he can get shot and he can fix the bullet holes in his skin and the white shirt right 
yet he puts on this grimy brown shirt that's torn to shit and he just chooses not to fix that. So whatever, you know, he's space Jesus. He can do what he wants. He wants to be looking like a junkie. He can look like a junkie. Ah, that's his he wants, prerogative. He wants to move among the people. Sure. I get it. I mean, that's that scene where he gets that shirt is a total ripoff of Terminator 2. Of course. It's the, uh, I need your clothes, your boots, your motorcycle. That's what yeah. that's what's happening there. Well, would you say ripoff or would you say homage? I mean, homage is a nicer way of saying it, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I really love this image of Jesus Neal holding holding the cross with bloodstains on it in his bloody hands as he's raising it up to the sun. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's just so, so deep, so deep. Yeah, that's definitely one of the, the crazier ideas is that Jesus would come back and crucify uh, bad people in his eyes. Oh, yeah, of course. He's judge, jury, and executioner, and it, it's just a, it's an insane version of, of Christianity. Uh, I love it. I, I think one thing I found interesting was how these uh, politicians who are super corrupt and all about money, they don't care about anything, and they, they hang out with these gang members on the daily, just outside of a shitty house where they're firing guns and they're just murdering people and severing, and there's no, there's no regard, and they don't care. But it isn't until they decide to beat the shit out of this one dude that they suddenly have a change of heart. Kill him! This wasn't part of our deal. No payoff is worth this. I don't want any part of this. I like what I see. <laughs> yeah, the last guy. I like uh. watching. <laughs> Yeah, Eric, the Euro trash. I love that character. Um, yeah, they uh, they draw the line at killing a cop. That's where they he's an undercover cop that they're beating up. And that is where the line is drawn. That's right. It's, uh, it's it, it really fits in, I think, to Neil's politics. But which uh, uh, is funny because in the previous scene, uh, the second sister's uh, boyfriend is murdered. Oh, yes. And Neil's there just watching and does nothing. Yeah, he does not it, save that guy at all. Nope, he gets his throat cut. Then we are treated to a fantastic death scene. Ah, ah. So good. And then right after that, Neil uh, Neil's character takes the girl home and sleeps with her. Ah, so it was a crime of opportunity. <laughs> but he's not turned off by her puking. Yeah, which I love again. They reuse that footage twice. It's the exact same vomit <laughs> shot twice. And the dude is just standing next to her. He's so just not interested. Oh, he he has just, the best look. The best does. look. I'm looking at it. He just does this. this. It's like, it's so, just like you're just pitiful and just not, <laughs> not having it. <laughs> oh, it's a great. That's a great scene. Oh, it's also good. It's also good. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the violence in this movie is is just wonderful because... <laughs> I tell you what, Neil went for broke because you'll hear a lot of it off camera and then you'll see the results. In the desert, this whole sequence where they have another, another uh, corporate guy who's in on the whole thing, but he is now... He's being taken out of the equation. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have your elected colleague, Mr. Smith, and his lawyer removed from our business affairs. 
permanently. They're going to have an unfortunate accident. No! Don't cut off my ears! No! <laughs> No! No! Don't cut off my hand! The sound doesn't show the part where after that, after the hand's cut off, there's just a little sleeve wiggling around for about <laughs> yes. 10 seconds. No blood coming out of it, just wiggling. Yep, it's just a blood-stained <laughs> sleeve just there. Way too long on the screen. Way too long. Oh yes, uh, you know, actually, I'm, I, it's actually really, really long. Let's see. It is there for twenty five seconds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that one guy. It's like he. It's it's. They're so jovial about. Yeah, we're elected official and his lawyer, but they're using this guy's elected official and lawyer so it's it there's no care or consideration by the fact that the dude who's taken this guy's place his predecessor was murdered or you know as they say a accident permanently you know it, it's just i don't know the logic there is no logic and that's the best part about this yeah absolutely you cannot seek the logic in a neil breen film there's no point there really is no point just go along for the ride yes all you can do is just strap in and 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 hope that things go one way or another. What about the visions of his true self? What do you think about that? Because we are treated, oh, I don't know, easily five to six different times, this hard cut back and forth between human being and alien being, where it's just a shitty rubber mask from Spirit Halloween, and it looks like some sort of weird desiccated head um so what, what do you think about that transition to see his true self versus his outer self i think neil learned a pretty cool editing technique and decided to keep showing it to us over and over and over uh it's it's a weird one uh like the shot because the shot the same it's only one shot it's one take or two well a set of two sets of one take uh, of a cross-cutting between Neil as human and Neil as alien. And it always, every time it appears in the film, you can clearly see him waiting for his mark, his, his cue to go. And then he goes and he starts turning his head and then it's this repetitious cut. And then it's just, it constantly shows up at the weirdest times. It doesn't really make any sense in the context of the editing. But, uh, you know, and then they do it again during the love scene. And it's so weird. <laughs> like the girl is trying to act, I guess, with, with this guy in this rubber mask. It's like they're like face to face and naked, except for this rubber mask. <laughs> it's weird. There's a bunch of gratuitous nudity in his movies. Um, well, actually, in this one, it's a lot of hint of nudity. There's nary nudity in this. Thing. No, you see nothing, but... They are the actresses are uh, getting topless. That's it. On set, they are they are as um as the other thing I forgot to mention was that one corrupt politician who likes to call all of his bonuses goodies. <laughs> yes, goodies which are well received. Um, 
Yeah, they they're topless in that scene. Uh, they're, she's topless in the love scene. There's another actress who's not quite topless, but is wearing a very loose shirt that is, gets unbuttoned by another actor. And clearly she's not comfortable with that. Uh, it's 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 weird. The, the, the use of nudity is very weird in this movie. I think one of the most awkward scenes is that topless scene in the pool where after they get out, they throw their tops to the to the greedy corporate guy. And then they just stand there covering themselves, laughing for what feels like an interminable amount of time as we cut to random shit around the pool. It's so yeah. Neil, Neil Neil got a deal at the antique shop and he wants you to know it. He said, yes. I want you to see this terracotta sunburst that I have. And then they get back <laughs> in the pool and then they get the fuck back out of the pool and they're giggling while he's pouring champagne and it sounds like someone's taking a whiz. <laughs> And we go back to the toplessness, and it's... <sighs> back to the champagne. We're not even at the champagne yet. Oh, here it goes. There it goes. It kind of missed. It hit the rim a bit. So uh, whoever was trying to pour it didn't do a very good job. Oh, those those sky pours are just messy. <laughs> it straight up sounds like taking a leak. Okay, so listening to that in the background. Not the peeing part, but the music. I have to say, I don't know. I'm going to out myself here. This There is some of the catchiest or most hummable stock music in this that I've ever heard. And maybe I'm alone in this. I don't know. But I mean, I, I wish I could find it. Because what I call the theme, you know, the, the song that was in the very beginning and throughout the massive montage that took up the end... It's like, I don't know. I just feel like it's some of the most, like the best stock music I could have ever heard. And Oh, absolutely. His... Yeah. And he uh, he goes out of his way to credit himself as music director, pretty much at the top of the credits. He it's, does. Uh... And it just, it doesn't even credit the song. It's just like, you know, uh, stock sound or stockmusic.net. And that was it. Yeah. The music is fantastic. And I wish they had it on soundtrack somewhere. I actually tried spending some time going to the website that is listed and just looking for music that was either new agey or epic or whatever and couldn't find this. Just could not find it. Well, this movie was made, what, uh, at this Like point? 2009. 2009. Well, so, yeah, at least 11 in 2009. years ago. I, I, I would say it probably was made that same year. It was probably made the same month that it was released, so... Possibly. I mean, he says he worked on it for, or he raised the money for this movie from the <laughs> release of Double Down, which is 2004. So it's five years in the making, this movie. Uh, I, I want to know, raise the money for what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gas? Pizza? I don't know. <laughs> was it was it for, for his house or for the truck or what? Oh, you know? Man. Well, he makes he makes extensive use of his own home in this film. He sure does. Uh, fun fact: Don't do it. But if you could, if you wanted to, you could be a detective and figure out where Neil lives in Las Vegas by simply looking at the street signs, the numbers, and so on. So he was not very careful about hiding that. Maybe that's why this movie has been effectively pulled from sales, at least from his website. So, but we'll get to where you can find it later. 
Oh my god. Oh my god. There was one other thing I wanted to bring up about this that oh in the stock footage, fun fact, as we discovered, I think, when we were watching this, uh, I love that he kept in when a dolphin takes a big old dump on screen. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, are you going to play a clip of that? I mean, there's really no point. I mean, in playing you a clip can't. Of that. Well, here, I'll tell you what, for those who want to, fa- <laughs> if you want to fast forward it, go to an hour and 15 minutes and 25 seconds. It'll sound like this. One another. They must learn not to destroy this wonderful natural environment and all the gifts that I have given them. Okay, that's even better now that I'm paying attention. <laughs> I mean, Destroy it completely, completely, under, completely undercuts Neil's dialogue there. It's just it a it's dolphin just... taking a dump. And there's like clearly a floating turd that floats right into the camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why would you keep that in? <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it is it, it look, there's there's no way around it. This is this is a fantastic piece and it, it's I have to agree with Richard. It 100%. This is the way you find your yourself into the breen. You got to start with I am here now before you move on to his other work. Usually one would say a sophomore work does not live up to the standards of the first, but I think in this case Breen really outdid himself. So, uh any other WTFs you want to bring up before we uh move on to the finale? Uh, I mean, I was saving the dolphin one. You kind of stole that from me. Oh, I'm so sorry. But uh, nah, I think man, we've covered so much of this movie, uh, and there's not that much of it to cover because it's well, so that's what happens when you know the show is like not even an hour, and we talk about all the content of a movie that's an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is one moment though that makes no sense. I think is like the being character has basically no conflict throughout the movie. Nothing can harm him. And he just waves his hand and everything's solved. Uh, But then he has this one random moment of doubt at the end where he, he like falls off of the truck he's stolen. And he is like thinking to himself, have I failed them? And then instantly it's forgotten. And it's, it's the movie just moves on. But, uh, and the question is never answered, but for me, that's like, the one like introspective part of that character for a character who has absolutely no growth, no, no, nothing happens to him at all. He's like this periphery. He's the main character, but he's so peripheral to everything that happens in the movie. Mm, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you're right. He, he collapses in this, this fit of just utter desperation and confusion. Why doesn't the species understand? I've given them so much. Respect yourselves. Love nature. Live in peace. Have I failed them? I think this has to have been like Oh man, I tell you, it's I'm I. It's been so long since I was in Sunday school. But that thing, like the night before the crucifixion, Jesus is like you know praying in the garden. I feel like is this what this is? (laughs) Yeah, he's like he has this doubt, and then he's like all, and then the very next scene, I will I will return, and if you guys are not better, I will turn this planet to dust. (laughs) It's just like doesn't care at all that he might have like messed up his experiment. 
it's it it's such a weird moment in this movie like it's like the one where i think neil's really trying and, and tr- trying to like act a scene and then it's just like completely forgotten about yeah i think he's just uh the beings just done had it we all done fucked up that's it so now we've we've visited down the characters that are memorable the story that makes a semblance of sense and enough what the fucks to fill an entire pantry so let us really discuss the nitty-gritty of this so richard how subversive is this movie this is a completely arbitrary thing, you know, it's just for fun. But on a scale of 1 to 10, how subversive would you put this film? I, I think uh, I would just give all of his movies a straight 10. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I Honestly, there's nothing more subversive than a guy who's a realtor and an architect deciding to make feature films about these big high concept ideas because Hollywood's not making these movies. And it doesn't get for me it never it doesn't get more subversive than that that's as subversive as it gets i would 100 percent agree i couldn't have said it better myself okay so you've heard us talk about all this stuff now the important question how can you see this film very very good question well neil as i had mentioned earlier has stopped selling these dvds through his official channels but you can find them if you go on i think there's a website like ladydvd.com or any of these DVD emporiums online, they actually have some of his older work because I think he probably sold them a grip of his DVDs and they just held on to them. So check it out there. Google and you can find the DVD at one of those stores. And uh, I can say if you want to do some studying ahead, you can find Double Down on YouTube. Uh, at least for now you can. But that's where you can get it. Go get a DVD, support the man, and... That's all you need to know. I want to say thank you to Richard, our resident specialist in Breenism. Uh, this is the first of a five-part series, which will be played throughout the season. So please be sure to come back next time we have Richard on for Fateful Findings. Richard, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's been fun chatting with you about this. Thank you for having me anytime. Until next time, stay subversive. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out, too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.